Hello, everybody. This is Jenny Lesko here with Rental Magazine and 4constructionpros.com. I'm here today with Bal Guerrero, United Academy of Director, and we're going to talk about risk assessments and new ANSI standards that go into effect this December. Bal, um, can you start by just giving us some, some background on the United Academy and your role within it? Absolutely. Um, so the United Academy is part of United Rentals, and what we do is uh, we try to every day uh, provide customers uh, with solutions to their safety challenges through world-class and innovative solutions to achieve extraordinary results. That's a mission we have every day. Um, they mainly, uh, we, we achieve that through uh, the, the form of training. We train uh, our customers where they want us to train them, 75% of the time we go to the workplace in where they are, and the other 25% of the time is either they come to our more than 1,200 facilities that we have in North America, um, or they do the training online. Um, so we are always thinking in, in effect, effective ways to, to serve our customers um, and, and help them uh, improve the safety cultures, and, and that's the mission we have in the Academy. Okay, so that fits perfectly with what we're talking about today. Um, in the context of the new ANSI standards that go into effect in December, one of the requirements that um, I believe has more emphasis now in the new standards, I don't think it's a new requirement, but it has more emphasis, and you can correct me on that, please, is risk assessment. Um, is that new or is that just reemphasized? And what exactly is a risk assessment? Oh, it's a great question, and it's, it's not something new because uh, I think it has been recognized over time that doing activities with mobile elevated working platforms, it's, uh, it's going to have a level of risk that is significant for the people operating the equipment or around the equipment or inside the basket of these equipments, right? So it's not something new, but it's something that has been uh, made um, more clear in understanding and in sharing a best practice on how to address risk assessment uh, in the new uh, ancillary to standard. And you know, it's a, it's so sim- it's as simple as understanding. You know, risk assessment can be as simple as understanding what are we gonna do, what are things that can actually create an impact to me or the people around me, and what am I gonna do to make sure that those incidents don't take place uh, and then proceeding, right? Because risk is a combination between hazard and activities. So basically everything around us can be a hazard by definition, right? But the way that we interact with those hazards create a level of risk. And it's all about understanding um, how do I prevent this risk um, um, to affect me or affect others around me, or if I need to actually do an activity that's going to have a medium or high level of risk, how do I mitigate the consequences if things go bad and something happens? Yeah. Okay. So you, I liked what you just said, um, the relationship between hazard and activity. So risk rests somewhere in between. Um, how is part of the... Um, well, how does somebody recognize a hazard? I mean, if if is that part of training that you would start to you would um, help uh, trainees recognize hazards, or is that on a case by case basis, or how is that done? 
Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, everything that we uh, do to help people understand what the risk management is, it starts by explaining what is a hazard, right? And how is that hazard um, potentially impacting me when I do something around that hazard, right? And just by definition, hazard is any object, physical condition or physical effect that can create a loss. So as an example, um, anything around us like a chair or a table, anything, right? Depending on the way that we interact around that chair or that table, um, it will be the possibilities for us to get injured or have a, an incident that create a loss and, and that's what we're trying to explain. It's how do you interact with the environment around you, the objects that are around you, and the physical effects like the wind and other environmental factors uh, that are going to increase or decrease the risk, right? And it's all about understanding what are those risks that are going to be um, not significant enough. So we need to apply a control. But it's more about understanding what are those risks um, because of the combination of the hazard and the activity that are medium or high, that we're going to need to do something. Either eliminate the risk if we can, and that would be what is considered um, prevention. But if we actually need to, con we need to do the activity with the hazards uh, uh, around us and, uh, and the risk present, um, then we need to take some mitigating measures, right? Um, and, and that can be, as an example, when you are driving uh, or you are a passenger in a vehicle, uh, mitigating measures can be using the seatbelt, right, as an example. But ways to reduce the risk uh, of having a crash when you are in a vehicle can be if you are the driver applying defensive driving. If you apply defensive driving, you reduce the chances uh, uh, of, uh, of having incidents. Um, and same thing with the, with the mobile elevated working platforms, right? It's about understanding the first step got to be understanding what do I want to do with this mobile elevated working platform and what are the, um, what, it's as simple as understanding, am I selecting the right equipment to, uh, to do this activity? Because if I don't select the right equipment, I may be increasing the hazards, the, the risks uh, of having an incident, um, if that makes sense. Right, right. So who is actually responsible then for performing the risk assessment on a case-by-case -case basis? Well, it, yeah, so it all starts um, for the mobile elevated working platforms. It all starts with the user. And you know the definition of the user is anyone that has control um, or, of the care, custody of the mobile elevated working platform, right? So this is uh, a difference between the actual operator of uh, equipment and the user, because the user can be the person in control of the project at the work site that is renting the equipment and it takes possession of the equipment. But the actual people that is going to be using the equipment, um, it's a it's, that's an operator. Um, it's a, and the definition is, is anybody that is qualified to control the movement of the mobile uh, 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 elevator working platform. So now who's responsible? Well, you know, safety is uh, everybody's responsibility, right? We got to start by saying that because it's not, it's not the user it's not the owner of the mobile elevator working platform. Uh, it's not um, only the operator or the people that is going to be in the basket. It's everybody. Everyone should make an effort to understand the risk that is around um, 
the activities that are going to be performed and, and understand how that risk is going to be controlled um, to, the, to the minimum potential. Okay. Um, so, as far as what is changing um, from the in, in December with regard to risk assessments, is are there any new requirements, or is it? I mean, um, is there anything that's being re-emphasized, or what exactly are the things that um, maybe people aren't used to or don't know that they need to do? Oh, it's um, it's it's uh, it's now very clearly identified uh, in terms of what are these these steps that should be uh, systematically done for risk assessment. So now it's it's eight clear steps that that every time that we're going to do a risk assessment, we gotta we gotta actually take in consideration. And I'm gonna go through them very quickly. If that's okay for you? Sure, please. Yeah, so it all starts with, as I said, the first step is going to be understanding what do we want to do. It's uh, identifying the task. And it's, uh, it depends on the location and the environment around us. And if there's all the things that are going to be around us, that got to be properly identified when we're trying to understand what, what are we going to do. Why? That's a step number one. Because depending on what we're going to do, we got to select the most appropriate mobile elevated working platform. And that includes... Uh, the worksite constraints, the ground condition, the site access, um, and as I said, if there is going to be people around us, either workers or general public, right? Then we go to step number three. Step number three is all about understanding, okay, now I selected the mobile elevated working platform. I know what I want to do. I, I understand what materials and equipment I'm going to use to do that. Okay, so what are the risks of the tasks that I'm going to do? to complete that activity, right? And as I said, it's a combination between equipment, materials, um, and the interaction with other people and the mobile elevated working platform. Once you evaluate the risk and you understand what is a non-significant risk and what are the risks that you got to control, then the next step, step four, is actually identifying how are you going to control the risk. And as I mentioned before, just as in general approach for risk assessment, it's about... Uh, either taking proactive actions um, to eliminate the risk, and if you cannot eliminate the risk, okay, taking preventive actions to mitigate the risk um, as much as you can. So if something happens, uh, you are affected the less. And with all that risk controls that you identify in that step, we got to combine that with the best practices that we already know that will be the next step, step five, Identifying clearly, so, okay, this is how we're going to control the risk. Okay, what are the steps that we're going to follow for the activity? And uh, how, we're gonna how are we going to communicate and what exactly we're going to do so this risk doesn't impact us? That's step number five. And if you remember, I mentioned things may go wrong, right? So if things go wrong, we got to have a plan, right? So that's step number six. It's especially emphasized in, uh, in the standard is a rescue at heights. There's nothing more important than understanding if somebody gets stuck in the equipment because it malfunctions or because it's entangled, what do we exactly need to do so we can safely put that operator or those people in the basket down in the ground in the safest way, 
right? So step number six is going to be really going in the detail of uh, a rescue from high plan, and that's a very important change on the NC92 um, standard. And then step number seven is going to be, okay, so we have all this uh, detailed um, plan on how we're going to address this activity, and what are we going to do if things don't go in the right way? Okay, so now we need to make sure everybody knows. That's step seven. Communicate with everybody that is involved I, how we're going to proceed. And then the a sub-step in step seven that is very important is management of change. You, you have no idea how many incidents happen at the workplace because people taught in the risk when they started doing the activity, but they didn't recognize that the conditions changed at some point when they were doing the activity. And that... Uh, missing recognizing how the risk change uh, impacted them and created a loss. So management of change. Uh, management of change means uh, recognizing the activity change or the work environment change. Uh, and with that, we need to stop, rethink on the risk, and then communicate to everybody one more time, and then we proceed. I hope okay. that helps. Yes, thank you so much for that very clear explanation. Let's back up just a little. You talked about the rescue plan and how that's one of the things that's very different in the new standards. Can you explain what some of the differences are there? Absolutely. So um, as, I, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, this standard, uh, updated standard now, it has very clearly defined things that in the past were uh, a little less clear, and I think that's a natural evolution on how the, when we implement a best practice um, uh, or the things that we learn, how we're going to incorporate those in the next version of uh, uh, of, um, of, our, of our way of work, right? So uh, what is really clear now is uh, understanding that we need to, as an example, if there is a system failure, as I mentioned, or entanglement, we need to make sure that we understand how the auxiliary power functions or the secondary manual emergency the same controls, the ways that we can uh, actually have that mobile elevator working platform um, uh, moving in case we lose control of the um, principal uh, you know, power system in the equipment, right? So, and that got to be following manufacturer recommendations. So uh, that's that's a very clear point, and we we need to uh, really really understand what the manufacturer says is the way to to work with that equipment in case main power doesn't work. The second thing is um, I think is is uh, um, everybody that is going to be in that basket um, needs to really understand this plan, and you know re uh, rescue from hype got to be part of the training uh, that the people that is going to be in the basket, either operators or occupants, um, um, take. So, so that's, a, that's a pretty important, um, uh, very specific thing that is mentioned. Um, so um, and in this training, obviously, they, need to, they are going to understand how can they get back safely to the ground. And that's the whole purpose. And there are three types of plans that are mentioned now in the standard. One is about how do you rescue yourself, right? You are the operator or you are an occupant of the basket, okay, how do I get myself down to the ground? That's one, one rescue plan. The other one is, okay, assisted rescue. How do all the people around me can help me get back safely to the ground, right? And the, the last one, but not less important, is the technical rescue, which is when emergency services help. 
So those are some of the things that, uh, that are different in the, uh, in the um, rescue from height section of the new ANSI 92 standard. Okay. All right. Um, do you feel that, that most people on job sites uh, are aware that they need to perform this activity or that have they been doing risk assessments? Or what are the challenges and, and then solutions to those challenges to making sure that people are aware that they have to do this and that they actually get it done? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think uh, the awareness on safety and the importance of safety um, I think our industry is going in the right direction. You see more and more at the workplaces, people taking the time to think on the risk, take the necessary measures to control the risk, and then, and then proceed and do the activity, right? You see that more and more. You see more leaders that are involved in making sure that their, their people is going to be safe, taking the extra steps to, to just make sure that they have everything they need to be safe, including understanding um, how to do their activities safely. So I think um, there, is, there, is, there is a trend in the right direction in our industry, um, 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 any aerial activities, right? Um, uh, on more and more uh, maturity in the safety culture that we can see out there. Now, the rescue plan, I think that's something that it's, uh, it's gonna be uh, a, 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 it's going to have a great uh, boost now that this standard is so clear um, with very, very, very um, specific requirements um, so we can normalize the knowledge and what people understand is acceptable as a rescue plan. I think that's going to be a great improvement from, from, from this uh, uh, updated standard because, you know, as you know, a standard means the minimum the minimum that we should do to address something, right? So we are raising the bar a little bit, and I think that's going to be very helpful for everybody. Okay. That's great. Thank you so much for such great information. Um, anybody who is looking for more information on the specific requirements can visit IPATH's website at www.ipath.org. That's I-P-A-F dot O-R-G. Uh, thank you again, Bal, for the information today. It's been very helpful. Um, thanks a lot. Hey, hey, thank you very much for your time. 